0: A church mission now occupied the once dangerous old brewery. Nonetheless, most New Yorkers still avoided Five Points as though it were the mouth of hell, especially after dark. Which was precisely why he insisted on going there time and again. He, an exalted patriarch of the 400, Mrs. Astor's elect. The Fifth Avenue Brahmins, as he scornfully called them. Them? Them? Us, he corrected himself. Us. A drive through five points was just the antidote whenever he caught himself becoming complacent. The luxury and status of his newfound wealth was an easy bath in which to sink. He needed the vinegar of poverty to remind him. His role was revenge, revenge upon the very people who embraced him now. The same wretched rich who had caused his family ruin and shame. The same amoral persons who would have cast him to five points as a child and never looked back. Outside, lurid shadows flickered in the gaslights. Wooden houses rolled past, rotting and unpainted, interspersed with a few tall brick tenements. Sympathy warred with disgust within him as he glimpsed tramps and bummers, beggars and thieves, murderers, harlots, madmen, grifters. And everywhere the street Arabs, abandoned and orphaned children, fending for themselves, competing with the stray dogs for a dry place to sleep. Wall Street needs one more exchange, he thought. A squalor exchange. It was one of the city's most abundant commodities. Abruptly, the carriage lurched to a stop. A moment later, it was in motion again. Just off the Five Points, which was formed by three intersecting streets, was a confusing warren of dark, seedy alleys, home to the gin shops and demimonde rarely acknowledged except in the penny papers. Without warning the carriage suddenly veered into one of these alleys and stopped again so abruptly the tug chains rattled. Rafe had been tossed off the seat in the violent turn. He thrust his head outside. "Wilson, damn it, what in blazes?" Before he could finish his question, a slim well-formed feminine hand shot toward the window and pushed a damp pad under his nose. Rafe managed to avert his face, but not before he breathed in the stench of chloroform. It didn't render him unconscious, but had the momentary effect of a stunning blow. He sprawled back onto the seat, senses reeling. Everything seemed to be a ringing confusion of sounds he couldn't quite identify. Then someone jerked the door open. Climb out, Jack, and do it in one puffin' hurry or I'll shoot an air shaft through you. Still unsteady, fighting down nausea, Rafe alighted on wobbly feet in the dusty, trash-littered alley. In the gathering twilight, he could just make out a big man wearing a sturdy hopsack coat and dirty sailcloth trousers tucked into peg boots. An old dragoon pistol was clutched in his right hand. Rafe glanced over his own left shoulder and saw a second man up on the box holding a huge knife to Wilson's throat. Someone thrust a lantern up into Rafe's face, nearly blinding him. Look at these fine feathers, the man in the alley exclaimed, feeling the material of Rafe's greatcoat. Our cornucopia runneth over, darling. Darling, Rafe quickly realized, was the one holding the lantern, the same woman who had gassed him. A black domino mask obscured half her face, and a scarf of magenta silk sewn with beads restrained her thick, dark hair. She wore a patched brown wool skirt and a dingy green velvet jacket that outlined the generous swell of her bosom. She studied him right back with cool, glistening eyes that peered from behind the black domino like two chips of ice. He might have thought her heart was just as cold, except for the unexpected emotion he saw in them. In the startling blue depths was a wounded, reproachful expression that seemed to have nothing to do with him and everything to do with the world. It told him she wasn't a completely hardened character. Not yet. His stare brought a faint smile that lifted one corner of her mouth. The blue eyes flashed but looked away as if she were uncomfortable.